I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. You know what time it is. Victory Tuesday. It is football (laughs) and other fucking F-words. You know why? Because we're very, very happy this morning that we do not have to come on here and talk about either the Titans getting blown out or the Titans losing a close one because the Titans won on Monday Night Football. And even if you're not a Titans fan, that was just a good Monday Night Football game. But for Titans fans, it's a damn good Monday Night Football fan because it's got a combination of everything you want. A good, decisive win. Derrick Henry going off like an animal. And Buffalo Bills fans having to pack up and get on Southwest Plains and be hungover and sad. Welcome in, Zach. And there's no direct flight, by the way. So they have to stop off at a layover, probably in Chicago, which if you've never traveled through Chicago, Midway or O'Hare can be some of the worst layover experiences of your life. So I hope nothing but the worst on everybody in the city of Buffalo and everybody that traveled here. Thank you for the money. Thank you for the memories. Yeah, this is if you if you follow football and other words on Twitter, which if you don't and you listen to this podcast, I'm very disappointed in you. So go follow us at F words pod. But we, we, we had a good time. Zach had a good time last night pulling up receipts and going off on Bills fans who were bragging about, oh, this is our 10th home game. Oh, we can't wait to come into town and uh, fellatio your wives and go downtown and drink all your beer. It got, it got was, really sexual in the mentions. It, it I mean. Very sexual, very quickly in, in, the, uh, in the Twitter uh, against Nashville. But it basically revolved around, we're going to come to your city and we're going to drink all your beer. And then we're going to go into your stadium and beat you. And for the second year in a row, Bills fans have to leave Nashville with an L. And and I just, I really, I enjoy sending Buffalo home so much with an L, especially the fact that you just reminded me that there's not a direct flight. Guess what? If you don't have a direct flight to your city, it's because it sucks. And it only goes to further show why you would have to fly out of that dump just to go do something fun for the weekend. So I hope you enjoy yourself on Broadway because I know that wasn't enjoyable for Bills fans inside the stadium. This this show may just be filled with a bunch of like rants upon mini rants and all this stuff because I'd like to go off on the city of Buffalo and those people that went on into my mentions and try to defend their city. By saying, well, if you drive 30 minutes this way or you drive a couple hours this way, we also have Toronto, which is over the border. If I have to have a passport to have fun and and come to your city to have fun, that means your city sucks. Like, I shouldn't have to cross the fucking border to find fun. I shouldn't have to leave your downtown city. I went to Buffalo for a Titans game, uh, this when Chris Johnson, I think it was his last year Chris Johnson was playing. I went to your shitty stadium. We brought in a fifth of vodka and even shared it with our Buffalo fans around us. Someone fucking drops it, all right? Our limo driver, to show gratitude for dad giving him a tip, gave him a used sweatshirt. And what I mean by that, it was a sweatshirt with a pizza stain on it as a thank you. You guys can't even do thank yous correctly. Like, it is utterly ridiculous the pain we had to go to 
to get to your fucking stadium, to get inside your stadium. You got teachers fucking in the stalls, apparently. You have trough urinals. You also, your fucking city, literally your downtown, closed at 9 p.m. and had tumbleweeds just in the streets. I'm not even joking. I literally, it's one of the few times I can actually say this. I'm not joking. I literally saw tumbleweed for the first time in my life, not in Texas, somehow in fucking Buffalo. And your buffalo wings, overrated. You can't even do buffalo wings right, which is apparently what you're known for. You are a shit city. This is why, and I now I'm going to a different rant. Why was everybody surprised that Buffalo Bills fans were here? They come here every year when, when they play at home, and they come in droves. This is what they do because their own city sucks, and all they have are the Buffalo Bills, for better or for worse, this is all they have. Yeah, I just before, don't understand why people were surprised. I know. Before I get to my piece about why Buffalo Bill, Bills fans or, or Tennessee fans are surprised that Buffalo shows up, I'm going to go back to one of my favorite rants, snow. You know that 1.1 million people live in this shithole? 1.1 million people live in Buffalo. and they You would have never a, have known if you visit Buffalo. They get around 94 inches of snow in an average year. I just miss me with all that shit. You got to take a connecting flight to get out of that snow filled iceberg just to come down here and party for the weekend, see your team take a loss and then go home. So you just don't come in here talking about, Oh, you Nashville fans have spent all week getting beat by your father and your cousins or you're sleeping with your cousins and whatever else was going on. Really? Nashville is sleeping with their cousins. Dude, there's literally nothing else to do up in upstate New York, except get snowed in. You're telling me we're the ones that are sleeping with our family members. Yeah. Okay. Enjoy that L, but yeah, this is, and I'm not trying to make Titans fans mad before we can get into the game, but you got to stop being surprised that Buffalo fans show up. And, and this is more for like the local media to her going, I just, I can't believe the number of fans that I'm seeing downtown. This is every single year that Buffalo shows up. They flood Broadway and you know what? Good for them. Enjoy yourselves. I'm kind of at peace at this point with the fact that Tennessee fans sell their tickets. I don't like it. Trust me. I don't like it at all. I wish they would keep them, but it's a, tr- it's a destination city. They make money off the tickets, whatever. I don't care. It's not personally what I would do, but this is going to happen. So Bills fans, stop acting like that the fan base is so terrible that you were able to fill up half the stadium. Now, the fan base, the majority of them are just greedy and opportunistic, and you were able to fill up the stadium. So well, it's not like all 69,000 tickets or 70,000 tickets go directly to Titans fans. Bills fans have a chance. Opposing teams fans have a chance to come in and buy a slew of tickets right, right when they go on sale. So I don't understand this whole thing. I guess everybody thinks that, well, there's 69,420 uh, seats available. They're, they all belong to Titans fans. So I can't believe all these Titans fans film tickets. I'm sure there are, but give me a break. And let me say this. Even... That is true, right? Everybody all week complained about all these Bills fans, all these Bills fans. And then all I hear is how cordial Tennessee Titans fans and Bills fans are. And there must be a real camaraderie between the two. And, you know, these small market teams, blah, blah, blah. You Titans fans suck. You cowards. Be mean to them. Talk some trash. 
don't be nice to them. That's like allowing your ex or your your current wife's lover that you know about stay in your basement and you wake up and cook him breakfast every morning, knowing that he just slept with your wife. And they're just laughing at you. Like, give me a fucking break. I am so sick of some of the the way these Titans fans act. Get some balls. Talk some shit. You don't have to get into fights or anything. You don't have to, like, you know, slam and try to drown them in a porta potty out in Nissan. Just have some fun. Talk some shit. Tell them that they suck and all this crap. Don't be nice to them. Invite them over to your tailgate or anything. Get them away from your tailgate. Just you can just get them away. I just I, I'm tired of this cordialness that they got, especially after we just saw Tennessee Vols fans fucking just throw trash and golf balls and tumblers. There's a really nice tumbler and mustard bottles. You guys mean to tell me that you care more about some fucking college game than you do about these Bills fans coming into your home? Give me a break. Pick a lane. Pick a lane, you losers. You're dead on. There were at least two people in that stance who threw something on that. <laughs> who threw something on Nealon that was standing in, in the in Nissan Stadium the other night, and they better have talked shit. That's what I expect out of you. If you're going to sneak a mustard bottle into an SEC stadium, I expect you to at least sneak in a jar of Grey Poupon for the end do, of the do you, do you like the idea that they snuck it in, or maybe that they reached over the counter when nobody was looking in a concession stand and stole the mustard bottle. Like, I think I like the stealing at the concession yes. stand. I, I can't. Yes. I just, I'm going to need this mustard later. What? Yeah, that's what I like is that I, it really does make me laugh. I'm an old misfit. I know I've said this multiple times, but the mustard bottle made me laugh so much because I thought the same thing you just thought was someone either took it inside or they saw it, but either way, their thought was, I'm taking that fucking mustard. I mean, look, look, and it's going on the field. You're you're in college. You've been in college, kid, and you you know what it's like. You still shit for your home, <laughs> for wherever you live. I think that that is a stolen mustard bottle. That you know, I bet that guy's wishing right now that man. I wish I were to really save that mustard bottle. We had we had a party at our house um, when I was at MTSU, and someone stole our spare keg. We had a kegerator, it's, of course, you know, like we were barely paying rent, but we slummed together like $200 to buy this kegerator from, from, uh, from Best Buy. But you know what it's like if it, it, the difference between a keg deposit and having a spare keg to change out is it's like 40 bucks, right? Yeah. So, uh, someone stole our spare keg and we were pissed. We, we thought we knew who did it, but whatever. We went to a party of the person we thought we knew who did it. We had a good time. We enjoyed some beer, had some camaraderie. At, at one point when the keg started to get light, me and a couple of guys picked up the keg and just started to leave with the intention of just taking the keg. And someone goes, hey, man, they're stealing the beer. Where are you going? And I turned around and looked at my buddy. He looks at me and we just held it up. We yelled, we're going to get more beer. And the whole party cheered. And then we just left, took it home. We, so uh, <laughs> we had about five IHOP rugs, three uh, hallway rugs at our fraternity house and two like big doormat uh, IHOPs that we stole. We had a few IHOP pitchers and we had some uh, IHOP uh, syrup bottles and stuff. We, you know, I, <laughs> IHOP, we ravaged it. We just ravaged that IHOP. Mike's not on here to defend himself. So, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. Mike took a surfboard from a Mexican dining establishment in Nashville, and I'm not going to say which one, but it, it's out there. Um, you, you know what other food establishment didn't have a good weekend? Apparently, Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> so AJ Brown 
whose food poisoning he confirmed on Twitter. Was it, did he confirm it on Monday? Or yeah, was he it confirmed it before the game. Yeah. Well, everybody assumed, okay, illness had to be the shits is what you assume because he right. didn't go on the COVID list, right? So you would assume that he's got the shits for something. And then um, on Monday, and, and then he deleted the tweet, of course. In like uh, in 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he said something like, uh, fast food was a bad idea. I'm never eating that that fast food place ever again or something like that. I mean, then you knew, right? You Then, of course, Schefter reports it like it, he fucking broke the story. And then someone else breaks tries to act like they broke it on the broadcast. Um, I mean, A.J. Brown broke it, people. Like, you can give me a break. But, uh, yeah, so Chipotle and um, the, the responses about that by A.J. Brown was pretty funny. He's like, well, I guess I'm not getting a sponsorship deal from Chipotle. And then Derek Henry turns around and says, we just want to make sure that we had we he had enough toilet paper. Like, beautiful. Just beautiful symmetry between the two. Sorry, Chipotle. Uh, I just, and, and this, and it couldn't happen to a, a, a better group of people because was it last year or the year before that they, I mean, they made like 650 people sick at one restaurant. So Chipotle has had a problem with this for a while. So, ooh, no endorsement coming. He, he from He probably it. got that brisket, uh, yeah. that brisket bowl or whatever is new there. And and let me say this: I understand that real people cook your food, but putting them on these so-called real chefs from the Chipotle commercials that they have on recently, where they're just sweating over the meat and just spitting, right. they're, they're just spitting all their words because they're the, I, they're just. They're, they're too real. Like they're too much of real chefs. Get get some fake chefs in there for these commercials, because I don't want to eat it at Chipotle because I'm afraid now that my chef is just spitting. He's just talking to someone, just spitting all up in my food and just sweating over everything. It's a horrible commercial for them. Disgusting. Okay, I'm sorry. You tuned in to listen to reaction to a Titans game. I promise we're going to talk about it. Give me just a second. <clears throat> I only got eight more rants left. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna, <laughs> I, mean, I do. I, I've, I'm just, I'm just clearing them off my, uh, my phone here. I, I don't. I, I, we say this every fucking podcast. I have to say it again. I truly don't know what else to say about Derrick Henry at, at this point. I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but I will keep continue to say this part loudly. Enjoy what you're watching. Uh, this is rare. It's not something that's going to happen again. Derrick Henry leaves the league or whatever it is. This is one of those things that you want to be able to tell future generations. I saw this and I saw it live. Derrick Henry is an animal. He runs like an animal. The chance that we're coming out of the stands last night for MVP, those to me are valid and legit now. If this man continues at the pace he's at, he absolutely deserves a shot at the NFL MVP legitimately not to share it like Peyton Manning and Steve McNair had to do. I'm talking about outright. It's time for a running back with this kind of performance to get some votes in the NFL MVP voting. Well, I mean, you're talking about a guy that through six games is at 783 yards and he's uh, 200 and something yards already past the the next guy and i'm sure his yards after contact are going to be really high too i mean it's it's ridiculous that we have to sit here and fight for him to be even considered to be in the mvp i mean that's that's the thing to me is that you're talking about a guy that's on pace for 2200 yards rushing yards only and 
right now, I think he's on pace for 28.3 touchdowns, which is would tie an NFL record unless he, you know, got over that rushing touchdown, including any receiving touchdowns he gets. And you have to try to get people to consider it, consider him for MVP. Let me let me say this right now. Derrick Henry had a 20 carry, 20 carries last night for the first time, I think, all year. That I think that was his least amount. And he still got over a hundred something yards. And I'm tired of hearing these Nick Chubb apologists. Nick Chubb can't stay healthy. Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy. Uh, people are even trying to put Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook in the same breath as <laughs> as everybody you list. They're not the breed that Derrick Henry is. Derrick Henry is just a different guy. And we, we say this every week, and, and it's almost beating a dead horse at this point. But at, at that was the game everyone needed to see from Derrick Henry that's a national person because all I saw were these tweets about Derrick Henry being just different. Matthew Barry, uh, Diana Rossini, Adam Schefter, everybody's talking about Derrick Henry on that game. You got Steve Levy saying, who's going to make a business decision when Micah Hyde is about to get steamrolled? And let me say this. He hit, he heat missiled his way into Micah Hyde because he had a touchdown. Derrick Henry would rather run someone over than get a touchdown. I'm just throwing that out there. He had a touchdown on that play, but he just like saw Micah Hyde right there. He's like, yeah, I need to put my shoulder into that guy and just ever so slightly turned over and got him. He's a different breed. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry. He's Like I said, he's already got 10 touchdowns. When you have a game like that on national stage and your team wins, on your back, you that helps your MVP case. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that, okay, Derrick Henry's a shoe-in for MVP, but games like that where everybody's watching you, because not everybody's going to watch your Sunday game. Hell, not everybody's going to go back and watch highlights of your Sunday game. Right. A game like that on Monday Night Football where your team wins, that's important for MVP is if your team wins because of you, and clearly they won because of him, that's huge. That's going to go a long way if Derrick Henry maintains his pace. Going to go a long way for his case at MVP at the end of the year. I think right now you're looking at the start of a better case for MVP than last year. Because it's a, it's occurring earlier in the season, which – you know, we've kind of half joked about like he gets off to a slow start. I mean, it, it's not even worth like saying a half joke because he he did typically get off to a slow start as a running back. But man, not this year. He he's running with a full head of steam, 143 yards for three touchdowns last night, averaging 7.2 yards a carry. Now, the, obviously, that 76 yard run is going to help that average, but it, just to put it in comparison, over the last three meetings against Buffalo, his total yardage was 191 yards. So he came close to eclipsing his last three games in one single game. And this is even where I have to take a loss on this because uh, a friend of the podcast, Matt Smith, we were discussing privately uh, before the game, 
hey, if you were going to place bets on this, what would you do? And I said, man, look at something like yardage. And I said, you know, like Derrick Henry, the over under was like 91 yards or something like that. I said, you might consider taking the under. I hope he did not take my advice because I was going off of a three game average of 191 yards and I should have known better. This Derrick Henry, this man is capable of doing this against any team. And that's what's impressive to me about it. Now, I saw a lot of Ravens fans trying to get all up in their feelings and some of the threads where we were going through and shaming Buffalo fans last night saying, oh, well, you didn't manage to do that against Buffalo or the Ravens. Stay in Baltimore. Okay. Just, I don't want to talk about the wire right now, but. I mean, didn't we do that at their home turf just two years ago? I know. I didn't even want to go back down that road of boy, that happened in your stadium. Whatever. We're not going to talk about Titans playoff loss from last year, but Derrick Henry getting it done early on pace to eclipse 2k hell he's probably going to eclipse a thousand yards in the next two weeks which is frightening and awesome and i just don't i don't really don't know what else to say to this man except seriously sit back and enjoy this i i had a grin on my face every time that man took a snap last night he runs the ball he's humble his post-game interview was hysterical i was going on reddit and reading comments after the fact and there are a lot of people in there going is it just me or is Derek adorable he said he <laughs> called her he said miss lisa have a good night miss lisa this man is adorable and he's an animal and i'm just like yes soak it in this is what we titans fans get to experience every sunday but the man really has lived up to and has earned the moniker of the king well he and, is. and then he's got kansas coming up this this weekend and you know, Kansas City's giving up the most yards per play. They're, they're having a horrible time on defense. We You don't know if he, even if Chris Jones is going to play this week. And his average against Kansas City, and he's played Kansas City twice, 16 attempts, 123 yards, and two touchdowns is his average. That's not his total, his average per game. That's going to be another case this, this Sunday. And, you know, this team has a this was supposed to be this team's toughest stretch and buffalo was a tough game and it was not a pretty game and it really if they would have played the first half like the second half this team would have blown buffalo out of the water and this was supposed to be pretty much an L now we we sat here on the podcast said we wouldn't be surprised because you know this, just like this Titans team, lose to the Jets and turn around and beat and beat the Bills, right? It's what this uh, Tennessee Titans team can do. Last night felt like a playoff game, and I, I think that this team's going to go three and one. And you, you know they have to go over the West Coast and lose to the Rams, but this was an important game. It's an important game for future seeding purposes. It's an important game because it's an AFC win. And when it comes down to common opponents later on down the line, it's a confidence booster. There's a, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to hate. And the, like I said, just wasn't a perfect game all the way down. And, and let me say this. For a team that fired all of its coaches at halftime, for them to come out without any of those coaches that everybody fired at halftime and win this game against Buffalo – Credit to the players. Just credit to the players. They coach themselves. It's really impressive. I even mentioned in, in, on someone's um, Twitter rant talking about getting rid of coaches. And then also just go ahead and trade Henry. I mean, yeah. 
Well, I mean, every, every week the staff gets fired, right? I mean, the 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 <laughs> I, it's it's amazing that they get rehired the day after. Like, okay, well, they got fired. How are they doing press conferences and why are they still on the sidelines? Like they just don't know that they were fired or not, but I mean, everybody's fired. Look, th- this, it comes down to player execution. I-, I think some of the play calls are wrong and there's a lot like second and 10 and you're running the ball. Probably not the best thing. However, like I've said before, certain plays set you up for plays later. And you saw that these second and 10 run plays out of a formation and showing a commitment that you are stupid enough or smart enough, depending on how you look at it, to run on second and 10 sets up a a chance for you to throw a pass play on second and long later because the defense is going to be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage thinking you're going to give it to Henry. Everything is done for a reason as an offensive play caller, whether you understand that or not, everything's done for a reason. And it's to build basically throughout the game certain looks and fool the defense into, oh, this is that second and 10 run play. Let's stack the box and then you throw a pass to A.J. Brown. It's, it's, it's never going to be perfect. But considering everything that happened in this game, from injuries to penalties to walk away with a win at home was just it's huge it's a huge huge win you know, you can't you can't overstate how big this win was for this team let's talk about the offensive line um which i we gotta start with Taylor one obviously i i'm very glad that he's being evaluated for a concussion and not something worse because when you see a player take a shot to the head, you immediately think neck compression and then they bring out the body board. And they sure so, made it look worse. It, I, mean, it they, really they, did. I mean, they made yeah. it look really, I, I was worried for him on a, on a, on a level other than, Oh, we don't have Taylor one on the field. You yes, know, that exactly. So, you know, with the thumbs up coming off the field and then the he's moving extremities or checking him out for a concussion, that, that was excellent to hear by the end of the game. But I assumed, like I'm sure a lot of fans did, that you insert Lamb, this is going to come apart. And my God, the O-line with the pass protection was fantastic. Tannehill was pressured, but he was not sacked all night. And they were instrumental, again, in helping Derrick Henry run the ball the way he did. But shit, that unit, which is stapled together at this point, it got it done. And it just, outside of Derrick Henry making me smile like he always does, this offensive line just, I mean, what an attaboy. As uh, Henry said to Miss Lisa after the game, she said, any more jewelry coming? He got a big shit-eating grin on his face, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely some jewelry coming. And it's well-deserved for that O-line if they can keep this shit together because, again, they're kind of a staple-together bunch, but they got some pass protection last night, and I was happy. We'll get into Ryan Tannehill's performance a little bit because he was a little shaky at the beginning, but you could almost see that it was like he almost didn't know what to do with a clean pocket. He was a little – he was rattling himself, it seemed like. So, But credit to that O-line for sticking together, even through the injuries last night, 
specifically one where you see your star alignment go off on a body board, that can be demoralizing. They didn't make it demoralizing. They made it as a rally cry. They played their ass off. The This lets you... This is a good reminder that there are matchups in the NFL that you can look at and say, okay, maybe this defense is a little overrated. And I, I kind of talked about this in a private group or, or Broadway group chat that because everybody's, you know, all these guys like uh, Mike and Mello and Wes, they're all like touting this Gregory Rousseau. Oh, we were so right on Gregory Rousseau. Look at these first five weeks and blah, blah, blah. Buffalo played nobody. <laughs> like they played the Dolphins, the Texans, the Steelers. The, the only good team they played was Kansas City, who has three rookie offensive linemen. And this goes to show you that this Bills defense, this vaunted Bills defense, number one or number two defense in the NFL heading into this game, was not as it was a mirage. It was not as good as what is led you to believe because their quality of opponents were trash. And the Titans were able to do essentially almost what they wanted to do. We'll, we'll get into Ryan Tannehill, like you said. But this offensive line really, really showed out. And Saffold stayed in, no injuries. Ben Jones stayed in, no injuries. I was very surprised by those two because I was expecting those two to come come next, right? Like at least <laughs> got out of the field for a breather for one play, <laughs> right? Like that's what I was expecting. But you know, I got really worried about the Bills' defense attacking Kendall Lamb because I mean the offense attacked the correct cornerback when uh, Breon Borders came in. They were smart and did that. I'm very surprised that Leslie Frazier did not attack Kendall Lamb. And if they did, then they did have then Kendall Lamb did a tremendous job, especially after what we saw him do against Arizona in week one in temporary relief of Taylor Lewan in that game. This is some this is something you build upon. You know, last year when Taylor Lewan went down, you had Sembrello and then you had Questenberry, they came in in relief of Taylor Lewan at left tackle, and the offense really didn't miss a beat. This is a very much a next man up mentality. This is all they talk about, right? This is all the Mike Vrabel and the staff talk about is next man up. That was probably the gutsiest, impressive performance by the offensive line. And I'm going to say it. I know people are really pissed off, but I think the defense too. I know there's things you can pick at and be mad at, but I think the defense overall played a great game last night versus this Bills offense, which is which would have should have been a matchup nightmare all the way across. But you could tell when the when I don't know who asked it. I, I just had turned in for the answer, but someone had asked something about you know how do you feel about coaching this team or what do you think about their performance, and Vrabel's just like. I am so proud and thankful to be the coach of this team. Surprisingly enough, he said that after he got fired at halftime. So kudos to Mike Vrabel for keeping his cool because he got fired and somehow led a team without any responsibility as a head coach um, to this victory. Listen, I'm going back to this 
kudos to the offensive line. Stop firing everybody. No one cares. Like, no one cares about your tweets, your one little like tweets and everything that you, you're you like, oh, we got fire Shane Bowen. Oh, we got fire Todd Downey. No, oh, we got fire Mike Frabel. It's time to put Mike Frabel on the hot seat. You look, you always end up looking stupid. You always end up looking stupid by the end of the day because the, these players and this staff are on the same page. They have the same mentality. They have the same philosophy. They believe in each other. Mike Vrabel's not going anywhere. Get over it. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the win. There were people after this win that were complaining, yeah, Mike Vrabel still sucks. Like, what? What? <laughs> like, get over it. You could be mad at some of the stuff and some of the choices they made, like the three timeouts he decided not to use with 34 seconds left in the halftime. And really, you know, you could still question the three timeouts at the end. I don't know why he didn't use any timeouts. It worked in the end, but it could have obviously been horrible, you know, at that point and not have worked. But that shows that he has faith in the players, right? Like the players feed off of that. And I think that's what people don't understand is that the players feed off Mike Vrabel just as much as he feeds off of them in this game and relies on them. They rely on each other. It's a very symbiotic relationship and he's not going anywhere this is your coach for the long haul for at least five more years i put on on twitter that if you're that fire mike Vrabel guy is the same person who sits in the break room and openly says that they could run this company better if it was theirs and, and i stand by that because that's that's exactly what that type of person is let me give you a hint if you're the person in the break room constantly loudly bitching that you could run this company better this country would be in fucking anarchy. The None same, of these companies would work. The same people who think Mike Vrabel should go thought that the Jeremy Pruitt hire was a good hire. They thought that <laughs> Jawan Jennings was going to be the next uh, Heinz Ward or the next Jerry Rice. They thought Josh Palmer was going to be the next Alvin Kamara. The, you know, give me a fucking break. You are a Vols fan. You obviously don't know shit about fucking football. Zach had to rip in that little Vols dig. I really like it. I'm, you know, not, I'm here for Vols digs, but I want to give one quick shout out before we switch over to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, large Randall, Randall Grande. He's doing his thing in, in a league right now to where the leg swingers seem to be coming apart at the seams. Randall, for the last several weeks, has just been this nice, calm. I'm just going to go out there, do my job, make field goals, and walk off the field. Fat Randy, love having you here. Keep doing your thing, Fat Randy. And what about him drawing that penalty? Like, who holds the kicker? I mean, I get it. Maybe because he looks like a, a, a defensive lineman, you thought that he was going to be uh, uh, tackling that guy. But, I mean, who holds the kicker? And I have seen at least two or three people weekly say that Fat Randy needs to be off this team. For who? <laughs> Who are you going to get? Yeah, there's and no I'm gonna say it. Taylor Gamble and James at South Texas Titans. If I have to hear some an any more anti-fat Randy, I'm going to find you. And I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I may throw mustard at you, but give me a break. Show some love for fat Randy, you you two. It's time for some fat Randy love. He He's he's just he's good. I mean, I don't he, he is your he is your average typical NFL place kicker. 
Like, I don't understand what these people expect. They think that everybody's perfect. The only perfect kicker out there is Justin Tucker. Every uh, The rest of the 31 teams, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, and Justin Tucker sings opera in five different languages. So, like, it's yeah. just, I mean, the man's incredible. Okay, know that's, that's enough kicker talk. But, hey, listen, Fat Randy's need love, too. Yep. Ryan Tannehill, Ooh. this is, if, if you're, if you're a Mariota fan, you think this is going to go the way you want with this rant, but I'm just going to make you mad by the end of it. So 216 yards, 18 for 29, one interception, no, no passing touchdowns. He did rush for a touchdown. <clears throat> it, 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 this is what I'm going to attribute it to is that Tannehill started to develop a tick that I was afraid he was going to by getting sacked 20 times, which is, I think he's hearing footsteps and I think he's a little rattled, even in a relatively clean pocket on Monday night and made some questionable throws. The pick that he threw just kind of inexcusable. There was another ball that he threw, I believe in the third quarter that damn well should have been picked. He was trying to work it over the defender and ended up throwing it right into the defender's hands. And it became a tipped pass instead of a completed pass. But Tannehill just looked off and not in a great rhythm, but this is where I'm going to piss Mariota fans off. He rushes for a touchdown and scores. He willed himself to get it and he wanted it and he went out there and got it. But also with Tannehill, even though he was throwing bad passes, he also equaled it with good passes, which is something we couldn't see Mario to get into a rhythm and do. Mario to seem to get into a position to where when he started throwing bad balls, that's all he was going to throw. Tannehill still, even when he has bad throws, he still finds a way to get out there and suck it up and be a captain and lead and push this offense in a multifaceted manner. Not in the single-faceted manner, which Mario would do is which, oh, I'm just going to do it with my legs because the arm is not working. Taniel finds the arm to, he still finds use out of his arm, even though he's throwing some wild passes. But Jesus, I, I want him to rein it in a little bit. <laughs> well, that, that first half, I mean, I, I tweeted it and I said, so far, this is the worst game for Ryan Tannehill since he came in relief of Mariota in Denver. The pressures over the first five weeks have got him totally uncomfortable tonight. He needs to breathe and reset mentally. And we have talked about on the podcast about how he looked even jittery last week. It's, it's, it's not good. Now, this is the kind of game, you know, obviously at halftime, he's a little bit more comfortable. He was making, he was making some excellent, excellent throws and he rebounded. Like you said, he's, He's going to have to get out of this mindset that everything, every play he's going to get hit on a, on a drop back. I think, I think it kind of started coming together in the second half, but you could still tell that he was a little bit happy feet back there. So in the end, you wouldn't have won that game without Ryan Tannehill's as well as Derrick Henry. Listen, Derrick Henry made the runs. You're definitely not winning without Derrick Henry at that point, okay, for sure. But you can make a case that Ryan Tannehill made the throws in the second half that he needed to make and made some big-time, really good throws to A.J. Brown to get some first downs and get keep the defense honest and keep the defense guessing, and that's what you needed him from this game. 
You would have loved to have seen that in the first half. But there's, and I've said this before, there's going to be still some growing pains because this offense just can't stay healthy. Julio Jones has a hamstring issue. Now, I know everybody's probably thinking that, you know, Julio Jones and Mike Vrabel are just fighting. They're just wrestling in halftime. Yeah. This is this crazy thing. But obviously, Julio Jones is having some kind of hamstring issue, and they're trying to keep him on a snap count because they, they it's a long season still. I mean, we're we just finished week six. It is the Tennessee Titans still have about 11 more games to go. And our, the bye week is not till week 13. So bye week sometime in 2026. Yeah. So you're going to have to. I think they're taking the right approach with Julio Jones. Now, whether Julio Jones thinks they're taking the right approach with Julio Jones is a totally different story. Yeah. And obviously, players want to play. Obviously, sometimes coaches have to step in and say, hey, you can't go out there and do that. You saw it with Stephon Diggs. You know, when Stephon Diggs hurt his hand early in the game, then the reports are that on the sidelines, he's just brushing off the uh, training staff. He just he's walking away from them. And then there's another play where Chris Jackson does it again later in the game, and you you get to see it. You get to see him just rip his hand away from the trainer and walk away because he doesn't want to get out. There, He's afraid that he's going to get pulled. So you see that is live film of a player who may have been rested for a little bit, refusing to get looked at because he doesn't want to be taken out of the game. I'm sure Julio Jones wanted to play. But the the coaching staff felt it was in their best interest as well as his best interest to pull him out. And look, NWI made some big plays. Um, A.J. Brown obviously started getting back into his rhythm, and I think that if he hadn't shit himself and lost eight pounds over the last 24 hours, I think he would have taken some of those to the house, to be honest with you, because I think he was a little sluggish. You gotta you gotta put together a complete game. I think the defense finally put together a complete game. The offense still has yet to put together a full game, a full four quarters of competent offense. And and a part of that is the offensive line, and a part of that is Ryan Tannehill. And and a part of that is just there's no chemistry. I think Kansas City is a good get right game. For the offense, we'll see how the defense does. But I think for the offense, Kansas City coming up is a good get-right game, get everybody back on the same page, and get everybody in sync for the big, long stretch ahead. Oh, and that's it's well said. And, and you're right about as much as I enjoyed this win last night, and I'm not trying to go down a, a negative hole here, but this unit – both offense and defense put together, it just still feels like a really nice restaurant that's being run by 90 different managers. You know, like it, I made the the reference early in the game last night, and I should have added some more notes to that later, but in typical reactionary me fashion on Twitter, I did not. But, you know, I said that right now, the in the first half, 
the defense of all things for the Titans is the one in the kitchen cooking up a five-star meal and the offense is out there spraying it and spilling it all over the guests. Now the offense got it together later, Henry being a huge part of that, but this does still feel like an offense that's stopping and starting and stopping and starting pieces of it are working really well. But like you said, Julio is still dealing with something. Is he going to be able to, Except the fact that he's on a whatever you want to call it, a snap count or whatever the hell, you know, it, is that going to become an issue for him? You're exactly right. If <laughs> if AJ Brown hadn't had, you know, geyser guts, then he definitely would have been ripping those off for longer game, uh, longer uh, rips because you could see it on his face when they caught him on the sidelines and even on the field multiple times, the man looked fatigued and rightfully so. If you ever had food poisoning, you feel terrible. I mean, it's, it feels like having the flu. You feel like you've been in a car wreck. I mean, he lost but eight pounds. Lost eight pounds. This man had a bad, bad 48 Which hours. Which does make bathroom. me rethink my stance on eating Chipotle because I'm thinking, well, maybe I could just get food poisoning and lose some weight. <laughs> I would. Listen, AJ Brown, hit us up in the DMs. Let us know what location you went to because Zach and I are going to be there later today. It's our new diet. Double portions of everything. Um, But you're right. The offense as a whole, it it feels like it's gotten better over the last few weeks of being able to find some sort of rhythm. But we're crossing week six now. This team has still got seven more weeks to go for the bye week. If the Titans are going to find a simple, not simple, if the Titans are going to find a, a complete and cohesive package a game to put together it it needs to start happening after this game like it kansas city as much as we're going to get into here in just a few minutes about what that upcoming game is going to look like yeah their defense sucks and on paper derrick henry should go wild but it's kansas city and that offense can go bananas at any point and put up a ton of points on you so the titans have got to find a way to make sure that production on offense continues but it continues like a symphony these parts need to start working together you can't be playing instruments loudly and at different times and just doing whatever the fuck you want yeah i i mean the hamstring for julio sucks the the play calling while understandable in some situations needs to improve um and it's just you got to and it's going to sound like I'm making excuses for Todd Downing, but you got to understand when players are constantly in and out of your lineup and you have different players with different skill sets on your offense constantly, you're not going to be able to open up the full playbook. I don't think we've seen Todd Downing's full playbook yet because we haven't seen this Titans offense with a fully healthy complement of players. Everybody's still getting used to everybody. It's still the timing's a little off. You can just see it. And the offensive line really has hindered the first five weeks progress of this offense. Now, Nate Davis looked a little bit better last night. Questenberry looked good last night. I'll be anxious to see what who allowed how many pressures uh, when all that comes up. However, you know, you just got to understand that once, once this offense is – cohesive uh, you're gonna see the explosive plays come back because there are play calls where there's explosive plays down the field it's just that aj brown playing super sluggish prevents some of the other stuff his explosive play 
play nature and all that stuff. So I think you saw glimpses last night and you've seen glimpses throughout the, the year, but you've seen some real glimpses last night of what this offense can be with a somewhat healthy AJ Brown and a good offensive line. Now the next step is to get a fully healthy AJ Brown and continue the momentum of the offensive line. But I, I walked away more impressed with everything that happened on defense and Going up against this Buffalo Bills team, I think that is the story of the night is this defense, especially considering that Shane Bowen was fired at halftime. <laughs> this, I tell you, this team's resiliency from losing and rehiring its staff constantly in the middle of a game, it's really impressive. And I'm very proud of this guys, these guys. If nothing else, just for give HR some credit because, boy, they're filing and filling out, ripping up applications. It's going because they can get them back in. <laughs> Well, the good thing is, is that Dylan Radins is an as a notary. That's one of his jobs for the Tennessee Titans, since he doesn't do anything else for this team. He's a notary, so he could just notarize everything right there that's on what, the sidelines. That's what I said about Brielle Borders last night. I said Brielle Borders is simply running down the field this, to certify the catch and then notary it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're exactly right. I really want to get to defense because injuries pretty brutal last night on 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 defense. We'll get to it in just a second. Um, but as a unit, my God, did this team, this defensive unit found a way to put, to put together a really fucking good game and exactly when you needed it. This was my fear with Buffalo was that the offense for the Titans was still not going to work as a symphony and Buffalo was just going to outpace them in the scoring. And damn, if this Titans defense didn't say the hell you are. Now, we got to point out that obviously, you know, on the injury point, Caleb Farley, Cam Batson out for the season, both with torn ACLs. That's brutal. Um, this this Titans secondary, the corners are just so, so thin. You know, I'm, I'm not even really sure where you go for corners at this point. And I'm going to come back and ask that question to you in a minute, Zach. But I want to start with the positives. David Long and Simmons specifically, David Long had nine tackles. Man was all over the field last night. And Simmons, exactly when you need Simmons to step up, despite people on Twitter saying that they need to see more out of him, <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons was stellar. And, and you you don't win that game without Simmons. Simmons, what, what was the quote he had after the game about? He just put um, his giant arms around him. He put his giant arms around him, and he said that Josh Allen had a tell. And he said the way that Josh Allen approached the line, he knew it was going to be a quarterback sneak. So he said, that's my gap. He's not coming through my gap. And I love that quote. I mean, he's just. Meanwhile, Rashawn Evans is, is, is at the gap wondering where his gap is. Listen, those new gap commercials that are on TV are quickly replacing the Apple commercial, which I hate and the Applebee's commercial, which apparently was convicted of a war crime and will no longer be back. But I Simmons, just what the fuck, man? I love it. Someone give me this man's address. I'll handle it with maturity just because I want to send him a box of cookies or something. I mean, he just, he deserves all the nice things. Well, you know, in the off season, GMs, you know, did those rankings, like where there's 50 execs and they ranked the positional players. And a lot of people really love Jeffrey Simmons. Now, the people that are in the NFL, a lot of Titans fans and a lot of the local media 
I would say for the majority are big Jeffrey Simmons fans. But the people who were so quick and hasty to act like that, look, here's the thing. Jeffrey Simmons is probably never going to be Aaron Donald. It will probably be 15 years before we ever see a player at defensive tackle like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is generational. Aaron Donald is a freak of nature. There, there is nobody like Aaron Donald currently in the NFL anywhere. But Jeffrey Simmons is at least currently playing at a tier down from Jeffrey Simmons. Now, there's a big gap in those two tiers, right? There's tier one, Aaron Donald. And I would say that you go all the way, you got to go a little bit of ways to get to tier two. But Jeffrey Simmons is a tier two defensive tackle in this league. The, the amount of people who think that Vita Vey is playing better than Jeffrey Simmons and claiming that they watch the tape. And let me say this. I'm going to go on a little rant here. You armchair analysts, and I'm going to say it, Kevin Johnson has no clue what the fuck he's talking about when he watches film. And the, the other guy, I think it's at C in it, Knicks or C in it for the Knicks or something. They both blame Molden on that Jackrabbit Beasley touchdown. That was Jackrabbit's responsibility. That was Jackrabbit's guy. And, and it was either, I don't know if it was cover three. I think it. I'm going to go with the guys in the chat who said that it was an inverted cover two. Either way, it is Jackrabbit's responsibility at Cole Beasley. But these guys said that Elijah Moulton's horrible and he's the reason that that play happened. They don't know what they're talking about. And the fact that Kevin Johnson tried to say that he watched every has watched every Vita Vey snap and Vita Vey is way better than Jeffrey Simmons and Jeffrey Simmons doesn't do enough. Jeffrey Simmons is getting double teamed way more than Vita Vey is. It's just a fact, way more. And he's doing more than Vita Vey is. So spare me this bullshit that you even know what you're looking at outside of uh, uh, when it comes to X's and O's. I'll happily admit, I don't know everything there is to know about X's and O's. But I know that from looking at the game, from asking questions, and looking at everything that corresponds with both those things, all the evidence, Jeffrey Simmons is better than Vita Vey. He is currently playing at a, at a high-level defensive tackle. And if you're looking strictly at defensive tackle, not the whole defensive line, he's number two right now in the NFL, in my opinion. Now, obviously, you got defensive ends that are, are going to have flashier stats and that are playing just as good, if not maybe a little bit better. But he's not going to be Aaron Donald. You have to stop, as a fan base, you have to stop taking our players and comparing them to the elite 1% players in the NFL, the generational talents. It's just not, it's just not conducive to good conversation. And right now, Jeffrey Simmons is showing you that with a little bit of help, and I think Danico Autry is an unsung hero yet again in this, in this defensive performance from last night, and with good coverage downfield, there's sure there were some coverage flaws. With good coverage downfield, he's getting the opportunity to show you who he, who everybody thought he was. And it's time to put some respect on Jeff Simmons and Big Jeff's name. And it's time for everybody to realize that you're watching 
a player play at near the top of his position. And last night he had a sack and he ended up with that great fourth down stop. Why people continue to run up the middle near the goal line on this Titans defense beyond me. Because Jeffrey Simmons did it at the Chargers game with Jarrell Casey. He did it at this game at home. Jeffrey Simmons is going to stop you. They, he does his research. He is a smart player. Jeffrey Simmons is awesome. He's, he's probably going to get if he continues. Now, that's his big thing. He has to continue to play like this all year long. He disappeared last year. Now, there can be reasons for that beyond his control, obviously. But Kevin, uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is going to, if he continues on this trajectory, he's going to get all-pro votes, if not get into an all-pro team. As we as we wrap this up, talking about the Bills game, this is a question I do want to ask you, Zach, because I am genuinely interested in the answer. <clears throat> Trying to set aside how fantastic of a win this was, because it was an exciting game, but now being a, a, a night and a morning removed from it, how do you feel about the trajectory of the Titans now? Because it, you were one of the few, and this is where I have to call myself out, you were one of the few that after the Jets lost, you were like, it's just a loss, move on. Whereas me and several others were like, this is a, that's an unforgivable loss. And you just don't, you just don't lose to a team like the Jets. And I'm afraid of their trajectory now, but I I'm back. I'm back with you about, look, Jets was any given Sunday and the Titans were quite injured, even though I hate using that excuse, but I feel better about this team's trajectory and I do have to call myself out of when Zach was one of the lone voices saying, and even on our podcast of, you can't discount this team against the Bills because this is what the Titans do. They'll lose to someone they shouldn't lose to, but then they turn around and beat the brakes off someone that they probably don't have any business beating. Now, let me let me put a caveat on at the end of that. That Titans team last night, though they didn't beat the brakes off of them, they absolutely deserved to beat that team because that defensive unit willed them to that. But all that to say this, how do you feel about the trajectory of this team? Do you feel like they're on a good path? Yeah, I feel like they're on a good path. I mean, me and Robert Greenlaw were have been one of the few people in our chat that have defended that. Just saying that the Jets loss isn't that earth-shattering, season-ending loss that everybody wanted to make it out. And, to be, and right? I'm, I'm willing so to say at this yeah. point I'm wrong. And so then, when, and so when Tampa Bay was playing the Eagles of all teams very close on Thursday night, we were texting each other privately saying, well, I guess Tampa Bay season's over because they're playing this team really close. Now, obviously, Tampa Bay won, right? But they, it wasn't a convincing win. It happens. Mat, matchups, injuries – Certain things just happen in a game that does not go in the favor of the team. I mean, obviously, the Bills didn't have things that went in their favor last night, right? Like, it, it, it happens. It's the NFL. Any given Sunday is it's pretty much its motto. Parity is really is the most it's a sport with the most parity, probably, I would assume. I don't don't really care about baseball until Nashville gets a team. I feel 
pretty good about the the trajectory of this team. However, Christian Fulton's on IR. Caleb Farley tore his ACL, as reported this morning. Chris Jackson, not sure what he's lingering around with. I mean, there's three cornerbacks right off the bat that are gone. And, you know, Julio Jones got his hamstring issues. I, I felt better about the trajectory after the Jets game, surprisingly enough, because I knew everybody was going to be getting healthier. We were going to be seeing uh, this team get players back. But now I'm, I, I'm, I still think that the team is on a good trajectory. Obviously, the offense can get better. I, I think that's the big key. The defense got better. And we, I think that it can, it can advance and the trajectory is still good. I think that this is a three seed in the NFL, in the AFC. It could be a, a two seed because really the Bills uh, schedule is going to get a lot harder while the Titans schedule is going to get a little bit easier. And Kansas City is just not the team that everybody thought they were. And it's just not going to be easy for Kansas City like everybody thinks. Now, I'm not saying I, I do think the Titans are going to win, but I'm not betting money that the Titans are going to win. But... <laughs> Um, I, I think that you're seeing a team that still has a chance to put it all together. It's week six. I, I still am not entirely sure what this team's identity is other than run the football, but that's okay. If they can still figure out their identity, they still have a long season to go. I, I think you're looking at a team that's going to host a playoff game, get double digit wins and probably get the playoff win at home because when you look at the the seeding right now for the AFC, it's it's pretty much a um, uh, it's kind of a shitty little playoff um, right now. Uh, the I'm trying to find the seeding. I think Baltimore beat down, put it up last night. Here it is. Here's the AFC standings. So if the the playoffs ended today. Here's who is in the play or playoff started today. Here's who's in the playoffs. Baltimore is the one seed. The Chargers, who just got decimated by Baltimore, is the two seed. The Titans are the three seed. The Bills are the four seed. Then it's the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Steelers. Five, six, and seven. You're the telling Steelers. me that this team's going to lose to one of those if they host a right. playoff game? Right. Give me a break. I mean, this AFC, obviously, this is not going to stay the way it is. Yeah. But this AFC is very weak after the top four teams. It's it's Baltimore, it's the Chargers, it's Titans, and Bills. I am all in on those four teams being probably the four teams at the very end. You know, barring injuries and stuff like that. But there's, I'm looking at these other teams and I'm thinking, that's it? This AFC sucks. And... Right now, I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL. I think the Ravens have put together some impressive wins. I still think they're kind of like what the Steelers were last year and that they're a little bit more of a paper champions at this point. But I'm, I'm willing to give them a little bit of benefit of doubt because they're a well-coached team with a good defense and they're, they're playing to their offensive strengths. The Titans' trajectory is still good. I mean, obviously, they have won the last two matchups against the Bills. They have won. They're two and one under Ryan Tannehill against the Ravens. They've beaten the Chargers. 
these are all beatable teams for the Titans, and there's no reason not to say that among the AFC teams, Tennessee Titans stand out as a team that can improve while everybody else has already peaked. Let's talk about Kansas City real quick before we wrap this up. Um, Kansas City sitting at a kind of a surprising three and three. They've looked spotty on offense and particularly rough on defense. Um, again, on paper, Derrick Henry should have a big game. I feel like we've said that before that Derrick Henry has a, a normal Derrick Henry game, which is still like plus 100 yards. But at the same time, on paper, Derrick Henry should feast in this game. Kansas City still is an offense that you can't count out. They've still got a ton of weapons, namely Kelsey and Hill. Um, but the, I think the difference maker in this is that Kansas City has to travel to Nashville. I think the fact, you know, and, and obviously I know it was designed that way, but Tennessee gets to stay home after a short week, not travel, allow the team to come to them. I think that works in their favor. And Tennessee has shown that it can stand toe-to-toe with Kansas City for the most part, with the exception of the AFC Championship game, where it didn't get out of hand at the end, but it was clearly over by, you know, the fourth. So I, I do believe that the Titans has it to beat this team. And coming into the Bills game, I felt that the Chiefs was the easier matchup. So... I still stand by that I believe the Titans can get it done, but I'll lean into what I was talking about with the Bills game is that this offense has to go from a collection of instruments to a symphony. They have to play in one smooth motion. Yeah, so this defense for the Kansas City is, like I said, allowing the most yards per game. And we just saw this team take on the supposed number one or number two defense and put up, you know, 30-something points and a whole bunch of yards. So there's no reason to think that the Titans cannot win this team on the offensive back yet again and take down this Chiefs team. And with three offensive linemen and Joe Tooney, is it Thooney or Tooney? I don't really know if the H is silent or not. But he's playing with the cast apparently on his arm. You know, he's banged up. So he was one of their veteran offensive linemen. There's only five of them, right? So you got a banged up guy, three rookies. So you only got one fully healthy veteran on this team. And then you look at the matchups. Tyreek Hill's a little bit banged up. The other wide receivers are Byron Pringle, McCole Hardman, and uh, Josh Gordon, I guess. And if he's still, you know, active come this Sunday and Demarcus Robinson. And obviously you have Travis Kelsey. I, I think you this defense can match up well because they can get the pressure. And that's what you got to do with Mahomes is get the pressure on Mahomes. It's, it's very much the same defensive philosophy almost that you saw them employ against the Bills on Monday night. And you want to make sure that you rattle Patrick Mahomes. He's not feeling it. He's not himself as he typically is. And I think it has to do with the offensive line. So this team has to take down that offensive line. Harold Landry is already at six and a half sacks. Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree is going to have another week uh, after this. He says he felt good after last night's game. We'll see how he feels today uh, on Tuesday, day after. But 
he made some plays. So let's let's not forget the Bud Dupree was in there making some plays. He tipped a pass. He was putting some pressure on him. It's still weird to see him in 48. I'm, I'm not used to him in number 48. That I think that's the weirdest combination that the Titans have right now when it comes to numbers is that 48 out there. Um, but I think that you were, you're not going to see a lot of heavy formations, and that's what's kind of been – the downfall for this uh, Tennessee Titans defense, you see it at the goal line all the time, is that they get caught. You saw it last week and you saw it this week. They get caught in these heavy formations. And an outside linebacker typically has to drop in coverage to cover a tight end. And, of course, Tommy Sweeney gets it and all that stuff. That That's what happens in, in those packages. There, there is no other solution other than Harold Landry or whoever it was last week. I think it, I think it was Landry last week, too to be on a, a tight end. You, there, there, is no, there is no other solution in that defensive formation when you're playing, because you can't play zone in, in, unless you just want to give up a free touchdown when you're backed up into your own end zone. So you have to make sure that you keep Travis Kelsey in check and keep, Kel- and keep Hill in front of you. And then you have to put the pressure on. You can't let Patrick Mahomes do Patrick Mahomes things. So I think it's going to be a pretty good matchup. Because like you said, I'm with you. I think Kansas City is the easier matchup right now because I think that just the way that their team is constructed and the way our team is constructed, that it's a good, better matchup. And against the better, the, the least favorable matchup in the Buffalo Bills, this defense came out and performed. Now you got to do it again. Consistency is key with this team. And that's what we have not seen from the Tennessee Titans is consistency week in and week out. So this has to be a consistent win because this can be considered a, a game, a letdown game, right? Big emotional win on Monday night football, primetime, the world's watching. Then you have Kansas City come in, which should be a win. And they, they somehow let it slip by them. But this team is coached well for a team that had its entire staff fired at halftime. But this team's coached well can, and can prevent that. Listen, Zach's not going to let you forget that Titans Twitter, if they had it their way, would hire and fire coaches per quarter at the same coaches at, at that. You're going to have to find cornerback help this week. You cannot go. No, for sure. And, and it's going to be hard. To, to find that because either you're going to have to do a trade or you're going to have to go into the depths of hell that is the free agency pool that I looked into last night. There, there's some nickel corners that you could probably get. Obviously, you got Elijah Molden. You hope to have Chris Jackson, who played admirably outside. I thought Chris Jackson did really well for a position that he's hardly ever played. Jack Rabbit had, just has some miscommunication issues. I don't understand what is going on there. But he has some major issues with his communication on play calls almost every game. And he's going to have to get that fixed against you, – you can't do that against the Chiefs. You know, there, there's a couple of cornerbacks you could probably trade for. You should have traded for Stephon Gilmore, who would have been eligible to be back this week. I mean, Stephon Gilmore was traded for peanuts. Um you could, I, I think Teron Davenport had put out that this morning that the team should look into trading for Cam Dantzler, who is a great man-to-man uh, cover corner. 
that he, or at least he was a college former teammate of Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State. He's fallen out of favor over at Minnesota. I think that that would be a great trade. And they are familiar with Cam Dantzler because I really thought that they were going to draft Cam Dantzler that year, uh, two years ago. And they went with Christian Fulton instead, which is great. But Cam Dantzler would be, I think, a good addition for this team. The problem is, is he going to be ready to go on Sunday? You know, short week, whoever you trade, whoever you sign, whoever you bring up is going to have, is it going to see a lot of playing time because it's a short week? That's the issue that you have. So the biggest concern is putting the cornerbacks in a position to succeed and not allow big explosive plays. And that's going to be tough to do with this current crop of cornerbacks because McCole Hardman, who may be in the slot, you, you don't want to have a, a matchup of Elijah Molden on McCole Hardman. It's just asking for trouble. So you got to make sure that you put your players on a play-by-play basis in the right position to succeed. Well, you've, we've had you for 72 minutes. We appreciate you listening to us. Trash Buffalo. Semi-trash the Vols. Sorry about that, Vols fans. Um, we, we've had a good time discussing this game. Real quickly before I wrap this podcast up, are you going to attach that audio at the end? I will. Okay, so I'll give you a preference of what you're going to hear, uh, courtesy of the Buck Rising Show on 104.5. Um, I am an Ole Miss fan. I think I've said that multiple times on the on the podcast. I Look, I'm not your traditional SEC fan who gets all worked up about a lot of wins, but when Ole Miss is playing Tennessee, I, I, I got to talk a little trash, right? So I called into the Buck Rising Show on Friday and called my shot. Now, I'll preface this by saying Ole Miss did not win by 14, but um, know that my little rant comes from my heart and that I love you Tennessee fans, even though I don't necessarily love your team and the rest of the fans who act like assholes on Twitter. But that being said, hope you enjoy this little piece at the end. Uh, It's football and other F words. Really appreciate you all tuning in as always. uh, Zach and I were really looking forward to discussing this game today and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. Please rate review and subscribe Tell your friends and relatives as you listen to us and share the podcast with them. Um, Again, we're football and other F words. You've just been effed to do that more often for the people because it's always for the people you know who else is for the people Lebowski Lebowski who I don't know how many people know that he's an Ole Miss fan so I'm certain that the next what minute and a half maybe of my life is going to be a wild ride perhaps I'll need a cigarette afterwards what you got for me big man I mean, I hope it's a wild ride. I feel like every time you build me up, I just take that Kia and slam it right into a wall. Yeah, but don't... I will do my best. I also, I need to preference. I'm I'm a lifelong Tennessee resident, so yes, I picked an out-of-state team to root for. So you're <laughs> damn right, I'm a hypocrite. And here we go. I love hearing Vols fans. That's spelled V-A-W-S, by the way. Call in and get all worked up on Lane Kiffin and his grand return to the land of pumpkin puke. So we're going to have a fireside chat, Vols fans. Again, B-A-W-L-S. Break out the beer funnel, the boxed Merlot, and assume the position. Yes, Lane left in a terrible manner, but can you blame him? It's USC, L.A. over Knoxville, California over go-karting in Pigeon Forge. Snap out of it, U-T, spelled Y-E-W. The second that man realized he was trapped in the mountains with a rock-vandalizing, orange-clad cult, he was absolutely looking for an out. Also, Lane 
He didn't force UT to hire Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, and Jeremy Pruitt. Too bad your athletic department can't organize a coaching search as efficient as your fan base can check aboard that stadium in prison yard attire. Lane also didn't lose to Vanderbilt five times in the last decade. <laughs> Lane didn't introduce brick by brick. He didn't introduce turnover trash cans. And he didn't bring back Babushka Saturdays. So as much as UT, again, Y-E-W-T-E-E, fans want to look forward to Lane returning to give him the business, trust me, Kippen is just as excited to look in the eyes of his ex who spent the last 11 years getting DUIs and aggravated assault charges at a local Applebee's. Hottie toddy, gosh almighty, just who the hell are you? Old Miss by 14. <laughs> Rack him. Oh, my God. That's what I was waiting for. He's right. We've built him up a lot. He doesn't necessarily deliver every time. Maybe that's my fault. But, my God. Yes, I am now post-coital. I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> Counterpoint, Lane Kiffin didn't name his son after the city of Knoxville. It doesn't matter. But the rest of what he said about him not being the source of all UT's problems, that's all very true. You've just taken the fattest L in your defense was Lane Kiffin named his child Knox. I mean, nothing you said was wrong about Lane Kiffin didn't hire Derek Dooley. Lane Kiffin didn't save five-star hearts and champions of life. Lane Kiffin didn't lose to Vanderbilt. But that is all correct. I'm honestly surprised that the phone lines didn't immediately flood with how much Lebowski just took a hat, just took an axe to the knees of every Vols fan who is excited for this game. Ole Miss by 14, he says. A Broadway Sports Media Production.